Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from the massive studios here in North Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, you know, we've uh, we always get to the end of the year and and we try and put things a little bit into perspective for some folks. And um, you know, we some days we dive into really deep into topics. Other times we, uh, you know, we we move around quite a bit. And we always think it's it's important to to make sure we get some good perspective, especially from folks who you know get visibility into to what's going on in some broad trends. And so today we're really excited. Uh, we've got Joe Kinsella, who is founder and CTO of of Cloud Health. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Brian. Great, great to be here. So, um, you know, before we get into what Cloud Health does and, and all the things that you guys are working on, you've got a, a really interesting background in terms of, you know, not only starting this company, but around uh, yourself, the entrepreneurship you do, some of the work you do, uh, you know, with, with MIT and in the Boston area. Give us a little bit of your background and kind of, you know, how you got to where you were today. Uh, sure. Yeah, I actually... Um I, I grew up in upstate New York, and when I uh, uh, graduated with a CS degree, decided to either go east or west, and yep. it seemed like the jobs were either in San Francisco or Boston, ended up in Boston, and I've spent the last uh, couple decades actually building software in the Boston area. So I've done uh, almost exclusively startups, um, uh, mostly in the management area. So uh, I think if there were two areas that you'd claim I'd have expertise in, one is um, the cloud, and the second is just the the management of applications, infrastructure, and services. Um, but done a, done a series of startups, and I have one odd claim to fame probably worth hitting, which is my first company out of school was what's known as the first Scrum team. So the original Agile paper that was written on Scrum back in the day wow. uh, was my my first team out of college. Wow. So you, you, you're you you're partially to blame for all of this sort of everything being able to go faster. That's cool. That's very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was 22 years old, so I can't make much claim, <laughs> but, uh, but it was a fun ride. Yeah. No, that's very cool. So, um, you know, one of the things that we love to do is, uh, so the Amazon reInvent uh, show went on a couple weeks ago. Um, we always look for folks that are actively involved in these big communities. You guys are a huge not only sponsor the event, but but premier partner for for AWS. Um, would love to get just kind of your high level perspective on on that event, and and more importantly, kind of like what's going on in the market. Because I mean, it's you know thirty two thousand, you know thirty thousand plus people, you know huge number of new announcements. It feels like the market's moving around. But but give us your perspective just on on that ecosystem and and where you guys fit into that. Yeah, I think uh, just reInvent is the show to go to in the public cloud today. There really is no comparable public cloud vendor that that has a show like reInvent. And uh, I've been going uh, every year since it started. I think this year was maybe the most overwhelming, which is I think um, I I heard there were 32,000 people that attended uh, reInvent this year, which is just overwhelming. It was a little too um, overwhelming. I think it was a little too crowded, a little too much activity going on. But on the positive side, I thought – um, it was interesting to see just who attended, which is you always had kind of the the DevOps, the software engineers, kind of the tech crowd has always been attending since the first reInvent. But there was a much greater presence of um, enterprise executives, I think, that were at reInvent this year. And you could tell just by nature of the multiple tracks that they had that um, they really had expanded the audience that they were catering to, which is why I think there were 32,000 people there. But overall, it's a great show. It gives you a real pulse of what's happening in the cloud. Just walk in the exhibit hall. You can see what's going on in the partner community. So 
there's just, you know, for, for four days, you can just immerse yourself in what's happening in the market. Yeah, no, it's very cool. It's, um, yeah. And I think a lot of us are still trying to, to dissect a lot of what the announcements mean and strategically, you know, who do they impact and, you know, which side of the fence should you sit on? And and so it's, like you said, it's a, it's a great show. It's, it's incredibly immersive. Um, so cloud health, obviously you guys are in the, I don't know, for, for lack of a better term, sort of cloud management space, uh, which means a lot of things these days. Um, give us a sense. You guys, obviously, you, you talk to a lot of customers. You've been uh, in business for a while, taken several rounds of funding. Like, What's the pulse of, of your customers these days around not only the public cloud, but also you know, kind of their existing footprint of applications and what they want to do with them and so forth? Sure. So when I founded the company, um, so I founded the company back in 2012, and the focus really was get the first public cloud management solution uh, to market. And so we, we call what we do cloud service management uh, okay. because effectively the way to think of it is, is we're trying to build the single pane of glass, single pane of governance uh, for hybrid cloud infrastructure. Basically, you think of it as uh, the future of how you'll actually manage application services and, uh, and infrastructure. And uh, we started with Amazon. Um, uh, we currently have four products in the market. So we have an Amazon, Google, um, uh, Azure, and uh, hybrid cloud product that's in the market today. But um, but what we found across our customers is our customers right from the get-go were some of the biggest consumers of public cloud infrastructure in the world. So our customers run tens of, tens of thousands of virtual machines at any given time, and they, they have tens of petabytes of storage. You know, We have some customers in the 100-plus pet, petabytes of storage uh, on a single public cloud vendor. So they're they're large, they're complex, they're forward thinking, they tend to be highly innovative. And I think what we've seen really over the last three years in terms of transition is, I think we've seen a transition of enterprises, which is when we originally engaged with them, the adoption and the growth was really occurring at the line of business. And what we've seen since uh, starting the company is that it's become more centralized over time. So we've seen enterprises kind of start to embrace public cloud vendors like uh, like Amazon and Microsoft and Google and start to strategically invest the, themselves in their strategies. And as part of that, they're confronting from a central IT perspective the challenge of, of governing and managing this very complex, you know, fast-moving infrastructure. So I think it's you know, I think there's a maturity that's happened over the last several years, and there's a um, willingness to make the public cloud front and center of a cloud strategy that that really wasn't there three years ago. Yeah, what do you? What's your take on? You know, th- there's always there's always sort of interesting analysis that comes out. You know, reports about surveys of you know companies that have moved to the cloud, companies that have you know moved back from the cloud, and um, what, what's your take? I, I get the sense sometimes that. That there are people who are, you know, companies and, and parts of companies that are they're heavily involved with what's going on in public cloud. And, and like you said, it started with lines of business. And then you get folks who, I guess, tend to tend to be in the IT industry, but feel like they're on the sideline. And, and I get the sense that it's sort of like, it, unless you're really in the game, you don't really understand, say, the, the pace of how fast this is happening or the reality of of, you know, what's possible out there. I mean, do you, do you get a sense of that in, in, as you're, as you're seeing things move from lines of business to central IT or, um, what's the, what's kind of the awareness out there of, of how realistic this, this whole public cloud thing is? 
It's, you know, it is funny. I I live in the public cloud world. Um, You know, my my product is deployed in the public cloud. My customers consume the public cloud. And so you can kind of get caught up in this this world in which you think everything's centered around the public cloud. But if you go a little further out, you start to realize that that not everyone has embraced, embraced the public cloud. And even where public cloud is being adopted, it's not always front and center across an organization as part of their core strategy. Right. So, so definitely, I, I admit, I live in a world that's somewhat skewed, but, um, but I do see outside that world. And I, I think there's, there, there was six, seven years ago, there was kind of a belief that everything was marching into the public cloud and that the enterprise was going to have to deal with the public cloud. And I think in the last year, I would say I've almost seen the reverse trend, which is, I've seen the public cloud vendors starting to reach back out to the enterprise, and, and you can kind of see that with some of the Amazon announcements at reInvent, things around um, uh, VMware and Snowmobile and you know uh, Snowball Edge and some of the announcements start to show that the world is not going to be as simple as um, some of the early evangelists in the cloud thought it was going to be, which is it's not going to be homogeneous, it's not going to be you know one or two vendors, it's um, it's going to be very complex, and as part of that public cloud vendors have to reach back into the enterprise and it's not all going to run in the cloud. And in the same way that with the client server you know, revolution that occurred back in the, in the 90s, we all kind of thought mainframes were, were going to all move into client server and there'd be servers hosted in data centers. And today mainframes still exist. So I think this is the beginning of a long march. I think we're much earlier in the transformation of the cloud than people realize though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, we're, I think we're hitting that tipping point where uh, whatever sort of pure religion you may have believed in, like you said, you're you're having to come to the realities of like, okay, it's it's it, it's probably not going to be that pure if uh, if my intention is to is to capture a large piece of the marketplace. If I'm if I'm okay with a small piece of the marketplace, then then that's fine. Uh, but but if I want to get into the you know hundreds of billions of dollars, trillions of dollars segment of the market, uh, it, it gets a little more complicated. Um, what do you what are you seeing as as the drivers? I mean, are you seeing anything unique beyond the the sort of you know uh, Jeff Bezos of you know um, you know IT is slow and uh, you know you don't want to tie up your capital and or, or are you seeing some other sort of unique drivers beyond just the sort of move fast don't tie up your capital uh, types of types of things for moving towards public cloud? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, cost surprisingly is not usually one of the drivers that we see, even though uh, many of the enterprises for 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 um, uh, tech companies, for large, fast-moving tech companies, uh, cost is almost never a driver in terms of why they chose the cloud. It's really all about agility. For enterprises, um, sometimes they, they can run the analysis and they can see the cost benefit compared to uh, deploying this in their own data, data centers. But even that um, is somewhat dubious because to actually achieve that cost, cost benefit, you actually truly have to migrate entire data centers and shut them down. Right. So I think the real benefit is what has been touted by Amazon for years, which is a, it really is all about agility. And I think agility is transforming into the ability to actually create and express applications that were not possible in the cloud. So it goes beyond agility and goes into uh, innovation and the ability to, you know, create things that, you know, you think about it, um, you know, one of my previous companies, we had a storage application that, and, and it was a small startup that grew pretty rapidly, but the application itself would not have been feasible due to 
the capital intensive needs and just the ability to to move quickly and innovate and build that type of application on top of physical infrastructure, it would not have been possible. So I think the cloud enabled the uh, creation of a class of applications in that case that that um, that were only possible because of the cloud. And I think that's that that's kind of the next frontier I feel like we're shifting into, which is I think agility has been realized by many of the early adopters. Now they're starting to kind of pathfind into this new frontier and start to realize that, you know what, there's things you can do in the public cloud you can't do inside your data center. And that gap between data center and cloud continues to grow. And I think in that gap will become uh, new types of applications that, um, that that will bring new innovation to the market for the different uh, market segments in which customers uh, exist. Yeah. No, I, I think, and I think that's a, I think that's a great kind of way of talking about it. I, I always tend to think about it, uh, you, you know, when I, so I have, I have kids that are, that are younger and, and sometimes you, know, you have to explain things to them like, Hey, um, mommy and daddy's house used to have a phone that had a long cord that was attached to it. And you couldn't only, you could only walk 15 <laughs> feet and they, and they, and they look at you or they look at like, you only had three, t- you only had three channels on the TV and, and you realize like, yeah, there's there are folks who who now live in a world when it, when it comes to creating ideas where you go, it's a pretty blank slate. Like there's enough technology that you can blank slate a lot of stuff that used to be, you know, very constrained by a supply chain or some physical nature to it or whatever it was. So um, no, I think that's a I think that's a great sort of insight into the agility versus innovation or agility versus cost type of thing. Um, you guys, you guys from a, from a, from a product perspective, from a services perspective, get into a lot of things. You get into cost management, you get into trying to normalize multiple cloud environments. Um, what are, as you're talking to your customers, what do you find that is their biggest challenge that you guys go, no, we, we solve that in our platform, right? Is it, is it managing costs? Is it the, you know, the complexity of automation or what, what are the big things that people are looking for a, a cloud services platform to really help them do? I think at the highest level, it's really, they're looking for a single pane of glass, which is uh, what a typical customer does in the cloud today is they, adopt one or more cloud providers. They have um, you know, one or more private clouds in their data centers. They have uh, physical infrastructure uh, in, their, in their data centers. And then they go and they adopt anywhere from eight to 12 different point tools to support their cloud strategy. So that's everything from Chef Puppet, Ansible, SaltStack, New Relic, AppDynamics, uh, you know, ThreatStack, SumoLogic, and you know, the list goes on and on, right? And uh, as part of that adoption, each of those those tools in each of those clouds provides them the optimum solution for what they're trying to do. But all these products and tools in clouds don't necessarily integrate well together. And so getting insight is so much harder than it was before. So whether you're making a decision around um, cost efficiency or you're trying to do capacity planning or whether you're actually trying to uh, manage security, having that holistic view where all that information comes together with deep semantic knowledge about what that information means and how it correlates to each other is pivotal. So the simple way to look at it is, is what we do is we, we embrace what it is that customers have um, chosen to adopt and we integrate with it and we provide them a single pane of glass and a single pane of governance for uh, their hybrid cloud. Gotcha. So it's, it's really sort of holistic visibility without without creating some big monolithic platform like we've seen in the past from a lot of you know sort of traditional management platform companies and so forth or management software companies that's exactly right so give you freedom of choice that customers uh not only want today but they demand today 
but give you that same semblance of a single integrated system that you had with the uh, monoliths of, uh, of the previous generation. Yeah, yeah. What, what are you seeing uh, just um, in terms of people spending? How has that changed over the last three or four years? Is it is it just you know where it was the line of business to sort of centralized? Or are you seeing it? You know, is there a, is there a tipping point to where it starts to grow rapidly? You know, what triggers that? Like, what what is the the buying? I don't know, profile look like these days? It, it Within the enterprise, it's kind of an interesting pattern you'll see. Um, and I, I think this is a, uh, it's an aggregation of data, but I think this is generally true across most enterprises, which is there's usually a line of business adoption. So you see that you see some initial slow growth, then the growth begins to accelerate as the value of innovation and agility starts to be realized within the line of business. And then it begins to accelerate really quickly and then there's a point in time, um, uh, which is kind of a moment of reckoning that occurs in an enterprise where the growth has occurred so quickly that it now gains visibility across the enterprise in terms of that this is a big investment and it's costing us a lot of money. And then usually there's kind of like this wall that gets hit where you start to see it flattens out for a period of time. Yeah. Uh, well, the, well, the enterprise tries to rationalize, are we doing the right thing? Do we have the right tools and technology in place to, to, to put visibility and governance in place and manage this better, you know, is this the right strategy? And uh, once they kind of push through that, you then begin to see more uniform kind of steady uh, growth. So that's the, that pattern. I've seen that so many times that I think it's uh, pretty easy to say that that's, that's a trend across the enterprise in terms of how the enterprise adopts. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got, you got a hockey stick, you've got a little bit of a plateau, you've, then you get a, a stall and then some sort of sort of sawtoothed, uh, you know, marginal kind of up to the right type of thing. And, th- and that makes a lot of sense because it, uh, price and cost is sort of a funny thing. You get a lot of people who have no idea what their IT costs them. You know, IT has a good sense of it, but the line of business doesn't. Uh, people, people tend to um, look at look at spending against a number that's relative to their life, whether it's their own salary or something that they think is is big, and and then and then you get into business justification. So that makes I mean that makes a ton of sense. Um, so we, we've talked a little bit about you know kind of the Amazon marketplace. Obviously, they're they're kind of the eight hundred pound gorilla, and and the nice thing is is they're now at a stage where they you know they break out at least certain numbers of revenues. So you have a sense of like okay, how fast are they growing? How big are they? What do their margins look like? You can kind of compare them to other ecosystems and marketplaces what, what are you seeing in like amazons and googles and some of the other ones that are still you know they're 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 catching up in terms of like features and so forth but maybe aren't as transparent about what all they're how well they're doing or, or where they're they're successful yeah so uh so when it comes to azure i think um in the last 12 months we've seen uh, pretty rapid adoption of azure you know i think the best guesstimate from analysts is that Azure is about a tenth the size of Amazon. That feels probably about right. But there's been some pretty rapid growth. We see some, uh, you know, pretty rapid adoption of Azure across enterprises. And it's a pretty common pattern to see enterprises that adopt both Amazon and, um, uh, and Microsoft as their public clouds. Uh, with Google, we adopted Google. Uh, we basically brought to market our Google product in 2014, and it was well ahead of the market. And I think uh, what we've seen with Google is Google has been mostly nascent from a customer perspective for us. It hasn't been a lot of adoption up until, I would say, the last six months. So we started to see 
a lot more um, interest in Google, I would say, in 2016, and I think it's definitely accelerated in the last six six months. And I would say it's particularly accelerated um, in the Silicon Valley, I think, where uh, I think it's emanating outward from Mountain View, which is there's a lot of both tech companies and enterprises that um, seem to be keenly interested in Google. But definitely there's a long tail, which is Amazon is by far the 800-pound gorilla you know, Microsoft's, you know, making aggressive moves to play catch up. I think Google, you would never count Google out, but Google is further behind than Microsoft, but, uh, but rapidly gaining steam. So that's how I would characterize it. And then everyone else feels like an also ran to me. So I, you know, I saw, I saw Oracle post its numbers and, um, you know, I think they're, 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 they're many years behind. Yeah. And, and, and I, so you made a, there's a, we, we'll put a link in the show notes. You made a, a prediction. You, you don't see Oracle uh, necessarily staying in this game very long, just kind of based on seeing some other large vendors get out of Cisco and a VMware and some others you don't see, even with their footprint of databases, you don't see them staying in this game very long. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to say, but I would say this, which is I've always said for the last uh, six, seven years that the winner in the public cloud is going to be a, um, a, you know, a company with software DNA. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oracle has software DNA. So on one hand, I wouldn't count them out. But they started so late in this game. And they're starting at infrastructure as a service at a time where the platform services are really just um, coming front and center and starting to gain momentum. Uh, it's in, in, in the fact that vendors like Amazon have been building their platform services upon infrastructure services, right? right. So they kind of get this economies of scale of how they've layered this. It just feels really hard to believe that given Oracle's uh, you know, a starting place and how much uh, innovation they have to make up for and the fact that this is not an area of expertise like this is for Google, uh, you know, it just seems like it's, it's hard to believe that Oracle could catch up here. Yeah, it does. It does seem like sort of a strange strategy to to work your way down the stack. You know, companies traditionally try and work their way up. And, you know, it it felt like, uh, you know, Oracle was making some progress in the SaaS space and, you know, around sort of the the business side of SaaS applications and so forth. And um, so, yeah, I I would agree with you. It is strange that they continue to to do that. I've, you know, I've heard some rumblings that they've got a a next generation attempt at doing IaaS again. I, you know, it feels to me like a very capital intensive business that doesn't necessarily, uh, like you said, maybe isn't, doesn't need a fourth player or a fifth player or a sixth player or something. Um, let me, let me finish up with one last question. And, and again, folks, Joe laid out some really very good, uh, predictions for 2017 that are in the show notes. We won't go into all of them today. Um, you talked about, you guys have a, a product in the market for hybrid cloud. Um, you know, we're starting to see, uh, some of the, even the largest players, you know, Amazon's got, you know, the snowball thing, um, Azure's got Azure stack coming out sometime this next year. And, uh, we'll see if Google wants to go down that path. What's your take on, on sort of hybrid cloud? I mean, is it, is it, is it a reality with, with these approaches that these cloud vendors are taking sort of push my public cloud into your data center, or is it really mostly, like you said, sort of managing both sides of the fence or where's, what's your, where's your head at in a hybrid cloud? You know, I think the big unknown is uh, there's a technical unknown, which is to truly have hybrid cloud and to um, move workloads to and from public and private cloud. There's a there's a technical challenge that I've never seen anyone solve today, and it's a really hard technical problem. Having you know, in one of my previous companies, I had uh, four public clouds and uh, had a distributed system that was spanning all four, and, and it's not an insubstantial problem. So. And the big open question for me is, what will Azure Stack do? Uh, will it truly solve this problem? 
But every other attempt, I think, is I, I think first hybrid cloud is a reality because it's a statement of where we're at, which is we're going to have um, a very messy world that we live in that includes you know physical infrastructure and virtualized infrastructure and private clouds and public clouds and multiple of each of these. But I think in terms of whether or not we can truly get seamless movement between public and private cloud really hinges upon solving a technical problem that's not insubstantial. And I think it's a moving target, which is if you were to solve it for infrastructure as a service, the, the world's beginning to start to move to platform services, and those platform services will become increasingly hard to run inside your data center. So to some extent, I almost feel like we're solving for a problem that won't, won't exist in five or ten years from now, uh, which is to be able to move operating system compute workloads to and from private and public clouds, that's probably not how applications uh, work five or 10 years from now. Right. So even if we do solve it, I think there'll be another transformation that will be required and that may or may not be able to run inside your data center. So to some extent, I think hybrid cloud is a, is a reality, but that's a statement of truth. That's where we're at. Uh, how it will evolve is um, is probably not the you know seamless, you know, uh, arbitrage approach that some people espouse today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I would agree with that, and I think you know just the basic uh, sort of uh, speed of light. Speed of light becomes a problem moving data around, and and like you said, just consistency of operations between these two places. And well, listen, uh, Joe, this is we, we we dove into a lot of different stuff. Thank you very much for uh, for all of the insight today. Um, what's the what's the best way for people to kind of you know reach out, talk to you, find out more about what Cloud Health is doing? Kind of all the places you guys are going to be in in say early twenty seventeen. Sure, sounds great, Brian. Um, which is you can uh, find Cloud Health at cloudhealthtech.com. Uh, you can actually follow us uh, on Twitter with the same handle, and you can actually uh, directly connect with me on Twitter at uh, Joe Kinsella. Cool. And, um, and, and I'd be happy to engage with anybody who wants to talk shop. So uh, I call myself a hardcore cloud geek. So, uh, so anything on this topic is open, open season for me. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, Joe, thank you so much for the time today, folks. Uh, we're going to do a couple more wrap-up shows. Aaron and I will come back and do a couple of wrap-up shows for the end of the year, but uh, uh, this will be our last one with uh, with one of our fine guests. Um, we hope you all have a, a great holiday season, and uh, thank you for the time today, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 